Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You need to turn yourself in. Yeah. I don't think that's what God wants for me. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Decoding TV, a podcast about television. I am David Chen, and joining me today, he is a senior writer at Waypoint, a great website about video games. He's also one of my favorite writers about video games on the internet, an extremely thoughtful, talented individual who I'm so pleased to be welcoming here to Decoding TV today. Patrick Klepek, welcome to Decoding TV. Dave, thanks for having me. This is a, it's a dream come true. I'm, I'm hopping between, you know, I, I got a checklist doing, you know, uh, the film cast, and I'm checking off this, talking Barry. It's a, it's a delight. And I'm just glad I didn't, I was trying to not, I kept laughing when you played that opening clip because it's like such a funny bit from the show. I was like, composure, where he's introducing the mm-hmm. show. Get yeah. it together, Patrick. You can't be so grossly unprofessional. That is correct. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, yes. So uh, we are here today because we are going to be discussing Barry Season 4, uh, which just wrapped up. It had its series finale last night, the same night as Succession. Can't believe two of the greatest shows of all time wrapped up in one evening. But yeah, uh, this is technically This Week in Streaming, a part of the Decoding TV podcast feed. Each week, This Week in Streaming will cover a show that's new and interesting in the world of streaming. We'll tell you if it's worth watching, and eventually, we'll review and spoil and discuss the entire season of the show, which is what we're doing today with Barry. So today we're covering Barry uh, all the way through season four. And as a reminder, next week we will be covering uh, a post-mortem of Succession. We just had a two-hour-long conversation about the Succession series finale last night. Uh, But we will be talking about your emails and your thoughts and your feedback. So be sure to keep that coming into decodingtv at gmail.com. And you can find more episodes of this podcast at podcast.decodingtv.com. Become a supporter, a paid member at decodingtv.com. Find us on TikTok, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram at Decoding TV. And I do want to mention, in general, we like to broadcast this week in streaming live on YouTube at youtube.com slash decodingtv. So we might read some comments out from folks today who are in the chat watching with us live as we discuss the series finale of Barry. Now, before we even get to spoilers and what exactly happened, let's start by talking about overall thoughts on this season, and I guess probably overall thoughts on the show. So uh, no spoilers yet, Patrick, but momentarily we'll get to it. What did you think of this season of Barry uh, and then kind of how it relates to what you thought of the show overall? Well, I feel like I already have a hint at where you're going by calling it one of one of the best shows of all time. And I, I don't think that is uh, I think that's appropriate praise. It is. I think it is a remarkable work. I think for all the moments where it doesn't quite connect, it's made up for all the enormous swings that it takes from start to finish. It is even though watching the finale, 
you can see how we got from here to there. But then when you revisit clips from earlier seasons, like it is a show that has changed quite a bit. That is like kind of was finding itself as it was going along as though it was almost in awe at itself of, do we, are we still getting away with this? This show doesn't make any sense. It's like the tones are all over the place. We're funny. We're weird. We're scary. We're tense. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's a show that if I think it described on paper, you would not necessarily think it could be pulled off, let alone manage to elicit the range of emotions that I have felt over the course of watching the show. And so, you know, even when I have felt like the show has kind of misfired or it doesn't quite land, some of the time stuff that happens in season four, I think didn't really work for me. It all doesn't matter because five, 10 minutes later, there will be some brilliant scene or scenario that, kind of papers over some of the thing I heard it de- uh, uh, described by uh, Alan Sevenwall over at Rolling Stone, um, uh, kind of like a, a cartoon show logic that sort of defines the show, which is, hey, sometimes if you if you think about it too long, like, why has Barry really been evading the police this whole time over like the various things? Like, it's a little goofy, but yeah. I think it is so made up for in in totality, I think, whether whatever logic of the show might not hold up to intense scrutiny it sort of doesn't matter because I don't think the show cares. It's not as though it doesn't want to have a foundation or an internal logic. I think all the, I think there are rules, but it is okay at bending those things to the point of absurdity because it is an absurd show in and of itself. And it all ends up working in a way that is just really surprising. But I was just always delighted because you just never knew what you were going to get. And that as good as many TV shows are right now, Barry still manages to, stand out and surprise me in a way that it was just, I have to, and I'm sure you experienced this, even as someone that, you know, does this professionally, you can still like, you can feel a shit when a show starts slipping to, uh, you know, I'm watching my iPad or looking at a phone status. Like Ted Lasso has, is drifted in that direction where I'm watching it, but am I watching it? Uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. And, wow. And Barry is just, Oh, I think the new season. I don't know if you'd say, thing. I don't know if you'd say that about your, your video games that you're playing, Patrick. It's pretty, uh, pretty bold addition <laughs> you're making, but I, I understand, I understand like shows exist on a continuum and sometimes mm-hmm. you may feel more freedom to use a device when you're watching a show. I get it. That's happened sometimes, right? And it so. never happened with Barry. The Barry was just mm. a show. It was like, it was appointment television. It was like, I need to watch it the night it's out being, it being 30 minutes is like. You know, and that's another Ted Lasso thing. Oh, every episode's got to be an hour. Why are we an hour? And Barry never did that. I thought it was like really, it's a show that could have easily been an hour, I think. I think it would have it would have strained under like trying to hit those hour counts. And I was just, again, height of efficiency, height of talent, just a wonderful show that I'm, I think is going out an extremely high note, but I am sad. I am sad to see it go, even though I'm glad it has ended, um, which is, I think always the sign of, of, of a great work of art um, that you've been able to appreciate. Beautifully said, sir. Beautifully said. I'll share a couple of my overall thoughts on Barry. And I'm really torn about this show, Patrick, I got to say, because okay. on the one hand, uh, season four in particular, Barry was pretty special for a variety of reasons. Let me, let me explain. List a few of them, okay? Every episode of Barry was directed by Bill Hader in season four, I think, Mm -hmm. which is rare that that will happen for any TV show. Like, it's rare that you'll see one season of a show directed by one person and really feels like it's all part of one single creative vision, right? So um, just for being able to deliver that, 
Barry season four, and therefore the series is inherently interesting. On that note, over the course of the seasons, we've gotten to see Bill Hader uh, emerge and flourish as a great filmmaker in his own right. And that has also been special. That's just not, not something you get to see where you, you get to see kind of, you get to chart the progress of like how somebody is starting to direct uh, TV episodes and the TV episodes are becoming more and more intense and involve more and more elaborate set pieces. And, uh, and he kind of continues to pull them off uh, with aplomb. And like, that's special to see. Barry is also a show that is not afraid to take big, wild swings. Like, just, you know, I, I felt in particular this season, season four, there really felt like almost like the creators of the show or the people behind the show were sometimes seemingly in an oppositional relationship to the audience. <laughs> I don't know if you, you understand <laughs> what I'm saying, but like... Uh, but like yeah, no, I, I know what you mean. There's this idea of the problem with a lot of prestige television is that a lot of them have anti-heroes as protagonists that are really terrible, and the audience ends up rooting for them, and that undermines the point that the creators of these shows are trying to make, and so then they'll, they'll make their protagonists do extremely unforgivable things. And this is true in Mad Men, this is true in Sopranos, this is true in Breaking Bad, and I think it became true in Barry season four, where they're like, they really want you to get the point of what they're <laughs> trying to say with Barry in season four. Mm -hmm. um, and I do uh, admire that as well. So there's a lot about Barry that I uh, admire and appreciate. At the same time, as I say all those things, all those positive things about Barry. Um, and by the way, Lucky Dog Podcast in our Twitch chat says it's like anti-fan service, which I think is a great, great yeah, uh, way a, of describing, it's, right? It's not quite antagonistic with the audience, but it is definitely a work aware of its audience yes. and push. And I think it's taking I, I would say it's arguably it's arguably antagonistic to the audience, I would say. I yeah, would say, and, I, say. and I think it's taking lessons from the way creators when you, you know, if you read interviews with, you know, Vince Gilligan and, and others who have worked yeah. on shows where they have struggled with. Why does the why is the why is why is the audience doing this? And you've seen those shows push in that direction. I think Barry is almost like a culmination of yeah. this, like an era of of the antihero where the audience roots for it, and then the creators don't know why they're doing that, and the work pushing on um, and Barry itself is almost like an answer or a period uh, on this arc of a certain set of characters that we have had at the center of so much pre prestige TV for the last you know fifteen ish years, and I think like <laughs> leaves it all in a pretty dark place because i think that's that's what those other creators wanted to go with those shows and for whatever reason couldn't get there with the audience were were more successful or less successful than others but i think barry is is like unambiguous about how you the audience member are are not just supposed to but are going i think sometimes those shows they want you to feel a way a certain way but but don't end up guaranteeing that you end up in that place <laughs> right and right. barry leaves like, it is decisive no, like, it is decisive it is the, yeah. every time that like uh, you know every time barry would have a scene where uh you know some of my favorite scenes were when uh, darkness was involved because there is no blacker black than what I, you see in barry though like that scene uh -huh. when barry emerges from the darkness yeah there's a repeat of that kind of shot in, in season four that is also incredible and i think in the same way that like we are going to produce the blackest black you've ever seen you're going to get to the end of barry and go he is a monster and deserved everything that was coming to him. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, agreed. Agreed. So all that stuff is praiseworthy about the mm -hmm. show. 
Okay, so like I, I, I have a lot of positive things and like just on a filmmaking level in terms of like what it's trying to say thematically, I think there's so much good there and therefore it's ultimately a show I, I still really like and, and would recommend. Uh, at the same time, at the risk of undercutting literally everything <laughs> I just said, kind of a downer, don't you think, Patrick? <laughs> <laughs> kind, of, kind of a downer of a show, and 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 look, I'm I'm not trying to like be super glib about it, but I guess like um, when we when the question is like what why do we watch Barry? Like what is yeah. you know what is the role that Barry fulfills in your TV diet? And I I guess I I just had a pretty specific role. It's like hey. Uh, this is like a dark com. It's like a Coen Brothers esque dark comedy with, uh, but like largely we're gonna have a lot of laughs about uh, Hollywood and and uh, the cult of uh, of fame and and those kinds of things. And that's like, that's kind of why I watch uh, uh, Barry, you know. And the creators of the show were like, we're, we're not interested in doing that. Like we're, we don't want to. We want to tell a very different story than that, and that is well within their rights. But uh, this is a show that, in my opinion became so different than what it launched with that I completely understand people jumping off board during the course of the show. Uh, and in fact, like if I didn't love all the other stuff that I talked about, I might've pieced out of the show a, a while ago because it's just tonally. It just is like, it's so dark. Uh, it's so much darker than anything I would argue from season one that it's like, I, I understand if that's not what you're in for when you want to watch the show. Um, uh, and I'm not opposed to shows changing over time. I think that's actually very good. Um, we've seen a lot of shows where they change, like the show will transform over time and become more interesting over time. I think that's great. Like I don't want to, I don't want to like be anti that idea. But when I started watching The Wire, you know. That was always going to be a show that showed me the failure of American <laughs> institutions, right? It, it yeah. was always going to be like a heartbreaking examination of the decline of uh, America and, you know, the, the poking a hole in American exceptionalism and so on. Like, that was always mm -hmm. what it was going to be. I, I was never under any different illusion, right? Um And even I would argue a show like, similarly, like The Sopranos, it's like that show changed very little in terms of like how you felt from season to season. Uh, and then even breaking bad, like uh, there were more comedic elements in the earlier seasons of breaking bad, but that was still a show that was about this guy that was dying and raging against uh, the terrible American healthcare system, as well as his own frustrated masculinity. And it didn't really change from that throughout the court, you know, like it became darker and more people died and, you know, but it's like at the end of the day, that was like a pretty similar show at the end to what we got in seasons one and two. That's not true of Barry, in my opinion. Uh, and so that's a question of taste. Now, in terms of quality, I think there's also an argument to be made that Barry season four rushed things, that yeah. there was... Uh, there was a, a massive time jump that I'll get into momentarily. Mm -hmm. uh, that time jumps, in my opinion, are I, I have I, I have gone hard against time jumps <laughs> many many times on decoding TV, 
And I will repeat something that I said, you know, when when uh, House of the Dragon was doing a bunch of time jumps uh, on the cast of Kings. We we're talking about how like George R. R. Martin said he couldn't figure out how to do time jumps well because uh, one of two things would happen: either nothing of significance happened during that time, <laughs> or or you'd have to say he'd have to have a character come onto the scene and say. Well, here's all the stuff that happened in the last five years and like explain <laughs> like one of those two options he would have to take. And it's just like it's really hard to manage. Well, obviously Barry had several time jumps in its final season. Um and that's even the time jump itself is even okay, possibly, but I do think, as you said, Barry often kept itself to um 30, 40 minutes per episode. Very disciplined, yeah. but I really felt the constraints of that format. It really felt like a show that needed to be 40, 50 minutes, which is like something I never say about a show. Like, I know. I know. You know what I mean? Like it's, but it really felt like a show that needed some more room to breathe. Um, particularly with some of the narrative decisions it makes in its final season. So, um, on the one hand with how Barry ended the series finale. stuff, I'm like bold stuff, like really amazing, bold brave stuff on the other hand it's like i understand if uh people don't enjoy it you know because it's such it's so different than i think in my opinion so different than what's come in the first season and it's extremely i, I would describe it as very very self-serious still funny but very like we have a very specific serious message we want to get across and we're going to do it no matter what um, and I understand why that may, might be off-putting to some people. All right, Patrick, go ahead. What, well, what I was going to say, I, I, you know, I think the characterization of it as a dark comedy was became less and less apt as the show went along. In which the comedy element was getting, if, you, if you're in a word in a, in a word document, the font was getting smaller and smaller as it <laughs> went along. And in some ways, that made I, I, I can I'm I'm with you. I can totally understand why people's like, oh, this kind of violent Hollywood satire understand why the show stopped because I don't know that there was four seasons worth of material. Right. I think that mm-hmm. like that is a much smaller, more contained show. If that is what they wanted to go through, that's maybe two seasons max. And it's like, if they were going to want to continue telling the story of Barry, they had to find new you know ground to start, start mining. And so I understand why they went in the direction it lined up, you know, as someone that is a huge lover of like horror films, like this frequently felt like Bill Hader making you know, it's not, you know, I wouldn't classify it in the horror genre, but I almost felt like I was watching a horror director in the making over the course of this show. I know there's been some reports that Hater is, is potentially writing and directing a horror film. And you watch Barry and can immediately see how someone's directing style, their approach to, to shooting scenes would 100% line up with something in, in there. And as as it went along, and the comedy parts almost became... They almost didn't even function in the same way that often you like in a dark comedy, like the comedy parts will function as a way of giving the audience sort of a, a breather, like, like, oh, that happened. And like, now I get to laugh about something before we move on to the next bleak period. Like mm-hmm. Barry never really worked. It didn't have that rhythm. Like, I think it's right. lack of rhythm was part of the appeal. You know, like one of the funniest moments in, you know, an otherwise extremely bleak final episode you know, is is when he is, you know, carrying the, he has all these, you know, without getting into the exact story beats, but he's carrying a bunch of guns and he tries to fit into the rental car with all of the guns on on his back. And 
they don't linger on it very long, but you can just tell that like he's having trouble getting into the car as he's trying, as he refuses to remove them. And it's very funny, but it doesn't sit on it. It doesn't feel like there would be a yeah. laugh. Tra- you know what I mean? It is just, the show just moves past it. And it almost well, yeah. makes you feel uncomfortable to laugh at because the show wants you to laugh. Yeah. Yeah. But it's punctuated by such bleakness and, and, and ultra violence, but shot so beautifully that I don't know. Frequently when I would laugh, it was sort of like, a <laughs> what? right. A huge part of that is Bill Hader's desire to have long sequences play out in one long continuous shot. Now, I love that style of filmmaking. I love long continuous shot. Every time there's long continuous shot, you know, my wife likes to say it's like catnip for David Chen. You know, (laughs) I'm fascinated by how those things are put together. Oh, the motorcycle scene. I'm sure you must have been, you know, from, from last season, just absolutely incredible. But that is, uh, that makes it very weird rhythmically. Like comedies often depend on editing and pacing, right? Like mm-hmm. there's a, you know, the beats are a certain way. The laughs are supposed to come at a certain point. Barry just like ignored all that. And it, like you said, a lot of the laughter was supposed to come incidentally or like, as you're slowly realizing what's going on on screen, that's when like the, that's when the comedy emerges. Uh, and so, yeah, it was, a, it was a weird style of comedy, especially this last season. I would argue more this last season because of Bill Hader's direction and like how he wanted to structure these scenes. So uh, anyway, uh, those are some overall thoughts, but I want to talk with you about spoilers. So we're going to get much more in depth into what happened in season four of Barry momentarily. Before we do that though, I do want to mention that this episode of decoding TV is brought to you by McDonald's and the McDonald's app. Uh, Patrick Klepek, you know, if you've got somewhere to be, and mm-hmm. you don't have time to wait in line. Did you know you can order ahead of the McDonald's app, pick your location, select curbside or counter. McDonald's will get it all ready while you're on the way. So it's hot and fresh. You can pick up your food faster at the counter or curbside when you get there. Uh, I personally use the McDonald's app frequently, and uh, it makes it faster to get your food. Uh, Patrick Klepek, you, you're a fan of McDonald's. We were talking before uh, we started recording about uh, your McDonald's fandom, right? It, well, look, uh, you don't have to tell me about, about that. I've got two kids and I maxed out on the rewards program so that it, it's like <laughs> I'm getting notifications that say these points are expiring, Patrick, and I need to go mm, redeem it. Wow. For, I mean, it's, it's, a ha- it's, it's a happy meal delivery device. Um, mm. uh, and uh, we we uh, we use it constantly. So, no, no, do not need to be informed. And then it's an excuse for me. To then go, oh, well, I mean, it, it would certainly be silly for me to go somewhere else to get food for me. Right. I'll just yeah. get food for my kids and then Why myself. Would, if, you, if you're getting food, well, that's ridiculous. You got to take care uh, of yourself, too. Absurd. absurd. You got to put your own, uh, you know, <laughs> mask on before you help your, your friend, you know, as I say on the airplane uh, briefings. But uh, <laughs> what's your go to order at McDonald's when you're uh, when you're ordering for yourself or your family? It's this, it's this the double quarter pounder, you know? Mm. Um, I, it's just, I, why settle for one patty when I can have two? Um, and it's a good that's question. Just, that's, that's exactly. I'm, I'm just I'm just answering the obvious questions, Dave. It's, just, it's the just, opposite. Is, it's the opposite question that Bill Hader asked himself when he's making uh, scenes in Barry. Why use eighteen shots when I can just use one? You know? Why have one? <laughs> That's Why I cut t- away when I could just be one person's face in the center exactly. for the next five For the whole minutes. five minutes. Exactly right. <laughs> exactly right. Um, well, anyway, uh, again, if you want McDonald's for lunch, you don't want to deal with that lunch rush, download the McDonald's app, order ahead, pick my location – sorry, pick your location, select curbside or counter, and you can pick up your food when you get there. They prep it while you're on the way. Order in the app, select curbside or counter. That's it. 
Order ahead in the app and save time. Prep while you're on the way excludes drive through at participating McDonald's. Copyright 2023, McDonald's. Thanks to McDonald's for sponsoring Decoding TV. All right. Patrick, I want to read a summary that I wrote of everything mm-hmm. that's happened in Barry since we last spoke about it here on Decoding TV. Uh, so when we last covered the first two episodes of Barry, since then, a failed attempt on Barry's life leads to him escaping from prison. Meanwhile, Noho Hank decides to murder a bunch of his allies in a matter so brutal uh, that Cristobal protests, leading to his own heartbreaking death. Sally decides to go on the run with Barry. A massive time jump takes place in episode five. Eight years later, Barry and Sally are living in a rural town in the middle of nowhere with their son, John. But Sally is deeply unhappy with her life and her new role as a mom. Jean Cousineau emerges from hiding after realizing that Warner Brothers is going to make a movie about the murder of Janice Moss. Uh, while his intentions initially seem altruistic, as he tries to stop the movie from being made, it quickly becomes clear that Gene is lo- still looking out for his own career and legacy. His suspicious actions lead Jim Moss to believe that Gene was the one responsible for Janice's death in the first place. Meanwhile, Gene's emergence brings Barry out of hiding because he believes that he needs to kill Gene to stop this movie from being made. In the final two episodes, Fuchs emerges from hiding. Having embraced his persona of the Raven and built himself a massive posse, he initially tries to ally himself with Noho Hank, who himself now runs an empire, but Hank's refusal to accept his role in Cristobal's death pits the two men against each other. Noho Hank kidnaps Sally and John and uses them as hostages to try to entice Barry. A huge firefight ensues when Barry arrives. Barry, Sally, and John escape, but Barry refuses to turn himself in, so Sally and John go on the run again. Barry, seemingly wanting to do the right thing, goes to Gene's house to find Sally, and then Gene straight up murders him. In an epilogue, Sally is teaching theater under her own name again, and her son watches a movie based on the life of his father. Gene is held responsible for Janice's death, as we learn that Barry has been honored. So, that's a lot of the stuff that happened this season of Barry. I didn't get to everything, mm-hmm. uh, but that's that's a lot of the stuff that happened. And obviously, the big thing, the thing that's going to dictate whether you like this season or not is that massive time jump that happens in episode five, right? I mean, I will just say my reaction when I watched it, which is, I thought it was a big elaborate dream sequence at first. Me too. I explained that to my, my wife. is like, what's going on? I was like, well, this is clearly a, a dream. They're, ima- he, you know, Barry's yeah. imagining what life could have been, or Sally's imagining like the worst possible version of her life, which is like this. this and we'll get, we're going to get this for an episode. We'll go back to the timeline. Right, right. Like, as it went on, it was like, oh, I guess not. <laughs> well, I, I will tell you, I'll tell you that when I first started watching it, my, my, first of all, like I, David Chen, hate dream sequences in fiction like or in mm-hmm. in any of my tv shows or anything like i know the sopranos helped to pioneer this like there's a big dream sequences in sopranos and i was like um i i don't like it because i'm like hey if you i'm already watching a fictional thing i don't need to watch a fictional person's <laughs> dream like yeah. just if, if you have a point you're trying to convey do it in the realm in the reality of the fictional universe you've already created i don't need the dream sequence um and so when I first started watching it, I was very irritated because I was like, <laughs> my, this is literally my thought as I watched it. I was, I was thinking to myself, Barry, you are not good enough to have a dream sequence in your show. Like, it, <laughs> if you, like, The Sopranos has dream sequences. Like, 
I'm like, okay, I, I will forgive it for one of the greatest TV shows of all time, Mad Men, you know. But like, I don't think Barry is quite at the level that like I will, uh, I will endorse a dream sequence. Then it becomes clear it's not a dream sequence; it's an eight-year time <laughs> jump. And I went from being very irritated to like, what, being very impressed that this was such a bold swing that the show was taking, uh, and, and ended up really liking that episode because it's such a dark, haunting episode. There's so many lovely details in that episode specifically around sally um sally being so profoundly unhappy uh she wears a wig and goes to work and puts on an accent it's like this is her way of still being able to do what she loves even in in this like really kind of sad and upsetting way like where she can be, be pretend to be a different character at work uh and so there were so many nice touches. One of the things that I thought was interesting was uh, I, I was reading interviews with Sarah Goldberg, who plays Sally, and uh, she actually had the same reaction to Sally's new life as I did, which is she, Sally was saying, like, or Sarah was saying, she couldn't imagine Sally's pregnancy. Like, Sally be- being pregnant carrying this child, him being born, all that stuff. Like it felt like it wasn't part of it. And I, I was watching this and I was like, yeah, like it's a very compelling portrait of Sally, but I'm like, um, I can't imagine her like being pregnant and, you know, going into labor. She's, and it's like, I had the same reaction as the actor, which is like, I just, it's hard to imagine that all taking place in that time. But um, other than that, I actually ended up really liking episode five and thinking is really a bold swing and kind of like, hey, if everyone gets what they want, this is it. And it's actually really profoundly sad. Patrick Klepek, what did you think of the big time jump in Barry season four? Oh, I hated it. Uh, <laughs> I it's, I think it, it speak, it's for me, it kind of spoke to a point you made earlier about, um, you know, it had this been sort of, you know, I hate when people do the, the like the final season part one. But I kind of like the more this season went on and when they were decided to make the the swing with the time jump, I was increasingly felt myself pulled in that direction of, I wish these episodes were a little longer. I wish the episode episode count was more because this is such a profoundly big swing that took for one. I didn't really buy the jump. You know, I was like, I just couldn't imagine how like Sally making that decision at the moment that we cut from, you know, Barry uh, returning to her apartment and then where we end up with these characters. And I'm glad that there didn't, there wasn't an exposition fairy that was like, Hey, we, you know, as we're talking about like, how do we do the dump? for the audience and bravely the show says well we just won't you know like we're just we're not even gonna like give you information to fill in those gaps it it just happened and and again it's one thing we're like i think it's i think it's really brave i think it's really bold but because of the the issues i was kind of happening with the season more broadly i found myself reacting to it negatively because like this isn't where i want to be i don't want to spend time with these characters in this moment even as uh the way you're describing uh, how the episode went, it, like on its own, like separate from the emotions I was feeling going through the season, I think it's really interesting and really good, but it just didn't work for me in the flow of the season. So when I look back at the season as a whole, like as a, as, as a work, I think it's fine. I, 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 I think I, I certainly see where they, why they made the decisions, how they arrived at that and, and where they wanted to do that, these kind of storytelling uh, uh, jumps. But in the moment, I was like fully pulled out of the episode. Like I, I could not sit with the show in the same way. 
And then when we get to the, you know, episode after that, yes, there was a time jump, but we're kind of just back where we were before. I know that like the characters have changed, like Fuchs is in a different state, Noho Hanks in a different state, Barry and Sarah, uh, you know, or, uh, or Sally are in a different state. But like fundamentally, the character dynamics are kind of what they were before. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sort of felt like eat, trying to have their cake and eat it too. Like, let's do a time jump for one episode and then let's go back to LA and sort of pick up where the show sort of was right. before we were at that point. Like, yeah. I think if you just removed it and like, like Henry Winkler has the, the same makeup that he had before and the same haircut, it's fundamentally like the show doesn't feel that different other than Barry getting to have an arc where they attempt to come up with a new form of self-rationalization for why they can do what they do, how they will be forgiven. And if all of that was mostly to achieve Hater getting to a, uh, you know, Barry getting to a place of using religion as this like BS crutch to explain mm-hmm. why they're still going to go to the afterlife um, and, and be a good person. You know, it's, you know, it's okay. It works. But I thought it was messy. I think it's more that I thought it was messily handled. And I uh, specifically what made, even after the episode finished and my wife and I were puzzling over what reality we were in because you get, I forget it was in that episode of the, the one after where Sally is left at, at home. And then there is sort of the dark character that is yeah. kind of like scouting around and a car comes through. That, that is the episode all, afterwards, I think. Right. And like all of that was extremely surreal. And, and, and I don't think is meant to actually, I think that's meant to sort of convey the character's anxieties manifesting as opposed to a car actually ramming through. Unless do you, do you think the car actually ran through? It's all, it's I think a, the car is real. That's my. You think the car is real? You think the car sense. actually ran through? Okay. I think the car is real, but the guy, the guy in the black suit, is not a thing. That's not okay. That's a, because because she hears like this is another thing that kind of bothered me about the season is throughout the whole season, Sally is haunted by the fact that she killed a guy last season, mm-hmm. but she killed him in self defense. And now I understand that's like yeah. very traumatic. Absolutely. But but it's not. It doesn't feel like it's trauma. It feels like she actually feels like she's morally culpable. Mm-hmm. In his death, and that that kind of bothered me because I'm like, okay, I understand that she's traumatized because this was like a horrifying thing, but she was defending herself against this guy who was trying to kill. Like that, that felt like a very reasonable thing for her to do. Um, and I guess I wish that character had been easier on herself about this horrible thing that she had to do. But yes, throughout the season, we see like she's haunted by visions of this guy that she had to kill last season, and she thinks that having to kill the guy makes her a bad person. Mm-hmm. Um, now she's a bad person in other ways. Like (laughs) obviously she blew up at her friend you know, like she was on the outs in in Hollywood and that was kind of like, uh, I was reading, you know, Bill Hader talk about the character, uh, I think in an interview at the rap and he was saying how like, why, why does Sally play this role? Why does she even in this situation in episode five? And it's because maybe on some level she feels like she doesn't deserve any better. Like, yeah, she's done. She killed the guy, and she was a bad person to her colleagues, and she was, you know. Uh, and then as a result, she's like, okay, I deserve this. I deserve to be miserable and suffering, right? Um, but I don't know. I think I think the character went too hard on herself for sta- was, stabbing little, that guy in the little, eye. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it felt a little unearned, I guess. For the like, it felt like a leap in terms of where I sat with the character at the end of you know, when that event, you know, occurred in the, in the previous season and then how the character is dealing with it in season four and the weight that they are putting on themselves, equating themselves, you know, at one point when talking to their son, like I'm a, you know, you know, essentially I'm a murderer. 
And it just felt like... Right, yeah, it's like... I don't, it just didn't ring true to the character I have seen in the other seasons mm. and how they have responded to different si- other situations. That didn't... It didn't add up to me. Like, it's one thing if she became culpable in something that Barry... Like, she was a participant in Barry doing something and, like, she took a leap, right? right? Like, she, she right. broke in some way. It's like, oh, I'm becoming Barry. It's like, that's that's not what she did. That's not how the scene... That, that scene was shot and the emotional sort of context of that, of that scene previously. And so that... I think that also was like I was having trouble grasping onto the characters because I just didn't she sells it right I mean you know like her her acting at multiple points in this season are like incredible and like remind me of like many of the moments uh in the last season of a better call Saul where like you also have like another like you know uh you know a, a really central like woman actor like having these like huge scene stealing moments yeah there were multiple times with her that i I felt like i was in the same kind of emotional place just watching this tremendous actor in front of me yeah like in the final episode in the final episode when she like confesses everything to her kid yeah that's an amazing acting moment right yes and and but i just it's like i'm buying it because you're selling it to me really well but when i step back i don't know that i fully like have followed the logic of how this character ends up emotionally in that state. And I think it's a testament to her acting that it's like, all right, well, maybe it didn't fully go A to B to C for me, but that's where the character is. And so, you know, we'll, we'll just, we'll just go with it. Um, and I think that like spoke to a broader, I don't know, like I, I'm glad the show has this, like this, like really pa- like fast. It doesn't feel fast, but it, obviously it moves fast. Cause it's the, the episode run times are, are fairly short by comparison to, to other television shows, especially in sort of dramatic categories. But I don't know. I, I guess that tension you were getting at before of like, I really wish we had more time for this. I almost wish that like we spent too little time in that in-between period. We got too quickly to go back to LA. If, if the, a Barry part one ended with the time jump and then I knew we were going to be able to kind of marinate in that period a little more, maybe it, maybe it would have hooked with me because all I could think about was I can't, I hope they get back to LA pretty soon. And and they did even as singular scenes like the bathroom scene are like, top five moments in the show um and so i don't know that's kind of when, when sally out. confronts when sally confronts the guy that's hitting on her in the yeah. bathroom right yeah i i really like that scene because you know this guy is trying to pretend that he's some kind of badass right um and i think again reading like the bill Hader interview he's like sally has killed a guy like so he's kind of she kind of sees right through him and like uh Th- thinks he's completely full of garbage and then of course ends up getting him fired because she doesn't want him to uh, blow her cover in any way um and she doesn't want him to know you know that she's wearing a wig and, and other things like that the case for the time jump patrick okay the mm-hmm. case for the pi- time jump that i'll try to make um first of all the show at its core has always been about whether or not someone can change and I do think there's something to the idea of we need a time jump because maybe Barry can change, but it's not going to happen in like three weeks, certainly. You know, like, <laughs> so like, like we, need, we need to be able to try to explore whether or not this could actually happen. Yeah. Um, and so, so that's part of it. The other thing that I really appreciate about the time jump is uh, like when someone shows up at the door uh, or they hear a knock at the door in episode five – and they instantly snap into this mode of like Sally's like the gun is in this thing, you go I'm gonna go hide in the bathtub like they already they they're like really good at being on the run 
right? That's in fact that's kind of their relationship at its best is like when they have these roles that they fall into. And I liked seeing that dynamic activate because there is something that drives Sally to go to Barry and say, hey, let's get out of here. Like she feels safe with Barry for some reason, you know, for for her own reasons. And like she feels like this is the best that she can do. And that's why she like goes along with him. And and if we didn't have the time jump, we wouldn't have like seen that dynamic all play out. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so. But I agree. Like, was it was it strictly necessary? It it does make everything else in the season feel quite rushed. Um, Noho Hank in particular, yeah, gets like that. That character gets pretty shafted, in my opinion. Like we see him for you know fifteen minutes um, for the last half of the you know like or or we see like meaningful character development for that character like not very much for the latter half of the season, and that's like a that's like a real bummer in my opinion. Um, so. You get some things. You get some things when you do the time jump. You get, like, Barry becoming a different person. You get to see, like, hey, maybe this dream that he had is actually a nightmare. Um, You get to see how Sally evolves. But you also lose a bunch of things. Like, Patrick's ability to suspend his disbelief that this is how it would have played out. You know? Huge thing. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I find... I find it all, like as much as it was kind of a difficulty to kind of like grasp onto those points, I think that part is kind of messy. I like everything else is like, so like it all feels so well thought out. So even though like those tensions exist and I, I have, I take issue with sort of like how we're getting to these various points, like because the work is so singular. And I think this is only possible because you have, I know different people wrote different episodes. I know Bill Hader did not write every episode, although he did write some um, and is deeply involved in the writing process. Like, there's something about going on a journey with like when you can, t- I don't know how much this comes across to people who are not complete, like, like you and I, or like who like I'm looking at the credits and like, I'm reading interviews at the, at the vulture. Right. And like, I know that like Bill Hader is like writing and like involved, yeah. like, deeply involved in the process. So like, I don't know how much that is, com- that is communicated as a piece of art in which maybe you can get the sense that there is kind of a singular honed vision, but knowing that like reading about Bill Hader, like it, admiring, um, how we sort of like be kind of like flowered into like this artist over the course of creating this series. Like I always felt like in such good hands that even when I was quibbling with it and I I was, it always just felt like, but you do such good stuff elsewhere that like, I'm not going to get mad at you over (laughs) this bill. Like Mm -hmm. you're going to give me something really great right around the corner. And I mean, the the finale is full of incredible moments. I mean, that, that shootout is unlike any other shootout I have seen committed to film and, and, and somehow being both one of the most grotesque acts of violence I have seen, like, and also deeply funny in a way that it gets at that a very, un- like, I shouldn't be, when that grenade goes up, I was like, I shouldn't be laughing. I shouldn't be laughing, but the show wants me to laugh. And then a horrible thing happens. And it's just, I, it felt, it's always wonderful to watch a show. And I'm sure this is difficult to get a, you know, when it's such a sprawling, uh, you know, a uh, mess of, of people to, to create anything, whether it's a television show, a movie, a video game, but to still, even though all those pieces are involved and it's like, I feel like I'm being funneled down by this one guy. They're like, all right, I'm just going to take his hand. Cause I want to see why did he want to make it? Like, even if I'm can have my issues with why it was mm-hmm. done, it does not feel like there was a bunch of cooks in the kitchen and a studio is interfering. Right. Like this feels like this guy had something to say, and this is how he's going to say it. And I'd always rather watch a work that I'm frustrated with 
but felt as though it was said exactly how the person wanted to say it. And I, I feel like that is like absolutely what, what Barry feels like, especially toward, as it heads toward the finish line. Completely agree. Completely agree. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Um, but let, yeah, let's talk about some of the things that it's trying to say in its final season, I think. You know, one of the points I made in the, the earlier part of this podcast was how uh, Barry does seem like he has like an antagonistic relationship with or sorry, the creators have an antagonistic relationship with the audience. Um, that is the clearest in, I think, the first episode of this season. When uh, remember he's talking to the guard, and the guard's like, "Barry, you're like, you're like so cool, Barry. Like, you know, you're you're such a badass." And then Barry's like, "I think, like, I freaking hate you." You know, like <laughs> he, he like literally is like, you know, like that guard is like an audience surrogate, and it's like, "Barry, mm-hmm. you're so cool, you're so funny, and you kill people real good." And then Barry's like. <laughs> Well, I freaking hate you, you know, like, uh, and so it, that's like a really clear articulation, I think, of um, that the the creators of the show think Barry is a terrible person and you should not root for him. Uh, and and there's some other rather pointed statements as well, like a big one happens in uh, the final episode of the season. As you said, he's like walking out of like a Walmart with, you know, uh, uh like um, assault rifles strapped to his back, and there's guns. The yeah, face he has when he says guns. Yeah, there's people amazing. buying toys like right next to him, and it's like, wow, this is um, this is America, you know? Like that's kind of what he's trying to say. And then, <laughs> yeah. of course, like the very final shot of the episode is his son watching this movie based on his life and seeing Barry getting glorified and honored. Um. Uh, in, in in at least some part because he is a member of the armed forces member of the troops uh really bold dark upsetting message to end on especially on memorial day weekend like i can't believe that was the ending they chose for for the yeah. show like uh have so to wonder how much they how much they you know given how how things are planned how things are released like is that just a poignant coincidence you know right. like or or you know is that just something where the context and when it's released adds a little bit an extra layer that the creators couldn't couldn't have in, you know intended or accounted for because who knows how how much they get to pick you know when it right. starts and ends but it, it's you're right it was a, a beautiful like sort of 
like thematic like overlay on on the work that I really didn't put together until like like it sort of dawned on me as the credits were going. I was like, oh wow, okay, wow, I cannot believe I just spent it. In, you know, I was just I was at a place where there was a parade and. You know, that, that whole, you know, that there was the whole song and dance. And like, here I am watching a show making a, you know, a point gesturing in, in that direction as a form of criticism. Yeah. I mean, I think it's making a couple different points, right? Like to what extent do we as American society glorify killers? Like mm-hmm. to, to what extent do we glorify people who kill and, and how is that part of uh, American society? Um, but it's also, I think about narratives and how narratives are constructed and how like, like often, in the way the media conveys things like let's say police shootings or whatever, like how like things like try to things like have a like there's a regression to the mean or things like try to snap to a certain narrative. And like the easy narrative is, you know, this, uh, this guy who was really, uh, had a high opinion of himself. Gene Cousineau manipulated everyone and Barry, this like honorable member of the armed forces, <laughs> like was at his, mercy and you know and it's just like like people people like a specific kind of narrative like they like a specific kind of story a specific arc for certain characters and how some things can just snap into that mode um and that's kind of what the ending was saying to me is like uh people took this set of facts away and they come up with a completely distorted factually incorrect version of events um that is comforting to them that is enjoyable to them you know uh so yeah, you know, we're skipping a little bit ahead, but yeah, any, any thoughts? I, I agree with you. The the big shootout, very, very amazing, all done in one long shot, including its aftermath, which is like technically very impressive. Um, there's a nice moment between Fuchs and Barry. They don't say anything. Fuchs yeah. is kind of like delivers him his son and it's kind of like, this makes up for all the horrible things I did to you. Like, <laughs> <that> <laughs> I was, was a bad opinion. father to you. Yep. Uh, now you I'm can walking be- away. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then, you know, Barry goes to Gene's house and then Gene shoots him. Amazing killing scene, oh. like sound design, everything like that. What did you think about like Gene's motivation in that scene? Like, what did you think was going on with Gene in that moment? Well, I mean, again, the, the show does a great job of misdirection um, and emotionally sitting you in a place and then kind of whip snapping somewhere else and it does it over and over again where you know we were talking about sort of a lack of rhythm to the comedy but there is like you start to pick up on like the formula of like a little bit of what they're what they're doing and it's like okay well clearly they're setting up that like he's in this horrible state he's reading these you know all these awful headlines you know his agent buddy is about to bail oh and he finds a gun like if you like you you feed that you fat you feed this to an ai algorithm the end of that scene is you know he kills himself and they're setting you up in that place and then so then for things to play out the way they do is just such a testament to what i love about the show and where you know even if the time jump doesn't work for me it's like well i know you're going to get me to somewhere interesting and surprising and like it absolutely does that with the way they set you up with uh, Gene as a, as a character, and then even how the the kill scene is shot. Like one of my favorite things about the show is knowing every episode there is going to be a hard cut that kicks ass. Like this show <laughs> loves a hard cut, sometimes to black, often to black, but not always. But there's it is just it's rare 
you know the way you watch Star Wars and like its wipes are part of its aesthetic. It is like it is you, when you watch a Star Wars yeah. movie, like you expect like we're gonna see these scene transitions this way, and it feels part of the, part of that. I like cuts, hard cuts, almost became like that for me in Barry, where I, I'm like an episode starting and I'm just sitting there on the edge of my seat, like give you know, what's the the Simpson like say the line Barry, and for yeah. me it's like do the hard cut Barry. When are you gonna do it? And the one we get there with the wow. When when Gene shoots him, is it just an alt? I was like, like just I, I jumping off of my seat when when mm-hmm. when it happened. Like it is it's usually an, it's usually uh, it's often like a smash cut where like a, a, a sound is interrupted, a sound yeah. or a moment is interrupted, and then usually a slow fade in to the next, like a slow fade in or dissolve into the next scene. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. That is something that he relied upon quite a bit in the final scene. Oh, like it yeah. really felt like it became part of the, like the language. Yeah. A language of the show is like how we are communicating. Uh, yeah, even things like, like it's a show that you see all sorts of violence in all sorts of things. And you can then start arguing to yourself. Am I desensitized? Have I, have I watched too much of this like sludge? And now I just can't be shocked. And it's almost like welcoming to watch a show like Barry in which, well, no, actually it's like, it's, it's, it's a matter of how things are depicted and how it is shot and how it's presented. And like the, the way they do, you know, uh, the way Barry dies, you know, in that like Hollywood adaptation um, versus how the show shoots it is I think like a testament, like it's both very funny and a return to the satire that the show kind of originated as, but also is, you know, illustrating exactly how the show understands like how horrific violence is and uses the fact that I think violence is usually shot in such a lackadaisical way in which it doesn't leave any sort of oomph on the audience, that there's a lot of room left for the audience to be shocked to make a point. And I think Barry like used its violence as a tool in a way that I always found very impressive. And like when it was excessive as it was, it was excessive because it's to make a point, like we're, we're doing this for a reason. It might be for, might be for a joke, you know, like when, when they're opening up the, you know, the four heads at, at Noah Hank's office, but it is, it is always in service of something. And it's just really hard to achieve that. And I think that happened all the time in the final episode, but is one of the crowning achievements, I think of the series as a whole is its ability to get me when, even though it's like for how many games I play movies, I watch TV shows, like you got to be on a certain level to get me and Barry, you know, constantly illustrated that it was, it was possible to do that. Yeah. Um, well said, I think one of the great things about the, the final scene too, with, of Barry dying was how abrupt and sudden it is. Like he gets shot and then he like looks at his wound and says, Oh wow. And then gets shot in the head and dies. And, uh, most of the deaths in the show have been abrupt. Like they have come all of a sudden, they've come unexpectedly, people having no time to prepare, and it's usually very unceremonial. It's very uh, matter of fact. There's nothing fancy about. It. Like we people like to think that death will be like a big build up and a big moment, and for many people, at least in Barry, it comes just uh, <laughs> it's brutally- a light switch. Yeah, it's a light switch. Brutal, it, it, and it's like someone's. It's like Barry's flipping a light switch on these people. It comes brutally, abruptly, no warning, no no time to prepare. Uh, and I think it's very fitting that Barry's own end comes in that fashion as well. So, and they give the opposite to a different character. Like for all that, Noho Hank is kind of like shorted by mm-hmm. the, the like the back half of the first. It really feels like there's no way they didn't have a million ideas of things. Like this character and this actor are so brilliant that 
he, he just doesn't fit into the a plot of like where they're trying to get all of the pieces in motion. It's too bad. And in a longer season or episodes with more time, so easy to imagine them finding additional subplots uh, for, for him, but they do give in a show that like, you're right, is ultimately uh, usually depicting death as like something quick. And, and you may not even be aware that it's occurred. Like Noho Hank like gives Anthony Kerrigan, like some of the longest, most indulgent yeah. shots to go through Something we have in the same way that I, I compliment the ways depiction of violence manages to shock and awe. They managed to shoot what is the kind of death scene we have seen so many times, which is a long shot on somebody bleeding out and then they're going to close their eyes. And on paper, that is just what kind of occurs here. Um, but Anthony Carragher's performance is just I'm glad that he got to ha- for not having a lot to do in the final couple episodes to get that moment to just, and also as a, as largely a comedic character with some dramatic bits, like to just have a moment where his acting is just on full display. And uh, even it's like, it also allowed the movie to be a little, or the, or the show to be not quite ch- like cheeky, but like, like to have him grab his hand is sort of like, I don't know. It's like, it, I wouldn't be shocked if that was not in this style of show. Like it allowed that character to be, uh, kind of cheesy in a way that is not always necessarily in tone with the show, but that character is kind of cheesy. And so to have that final moment, I thought it was just like intensely beautiful. And the way he plays that death scene was like beautiful in and of itself. And was like such a great, you know, encapsulation of like the arc of this character. Like it was the most fitting end for someone who was ultimately a coward, but he's my beautiful coward. And like, and like, I, I loved watching him in the show. And so we like that ending. I thought was absolutely perfect. Um, even though like the shot of him, like grasping his hand against this gold statue and knowing all of what that represents was, was just something else. Mm. Beautifully said. Um, well, let's talk about the epilogue. So after an eight year time jump, there is another time jump. <laughs> That's like, I don't know exactly how long it is, but I think it's somewhere between five and 10 years is my sense, right? So, uh, and it's clearly, I don't think we know where we are, but it's clearly not in LA because it's snowing. So like, um, I think it's meant to be like, there's some place in the Midwest or in the New England or wherever. uh, And we see Sally is teaching theater again and she and her son have a new life in this new place. There's a few moments worth highlighting. From this, first of all, Sally gets asked out on a date and she says no. Uh, the idea, I think, behind that is she has broken the cycle of being involved with terrible men in her life. Not that this guy <laughs> was not that this guy was bad, but that she's kind of like okay being on her own, you know. And uh, that was a nice moment. Um, she uh, she then kind of gets in the car and there's like this shot of the flowers that she got. And I think uh, having read interviews with, with Sarah Goldberg, the idea behind that shot is like. This is enough for her. Like she has achieved basically like some semblance of happiness. Um, there's a little bit of sadness because uh, she still like craves approval. You know, like she's like she asked her son, like, was it good? Was it really? You know, like. But to me, I didn't find that to be very sad because you know, um, if you're if you're going to be an artist, like you're going to want people's like it's that's just a part of being an artist. There's nothing like 
psychologically weird about that, in my opinion. Uh, you, make, you make things to put it out in the world. Exactly. And, and you just you want to know what people think of it. So, like, so it shows that that's still part of her, but I didn't find it to be sad. And the shot of, like, the flowers is like, hey, it's not an Oscar, it's not a BAFTA, but it's like, this is what she needs at this point. And it's kind of a lovely coda for this character that she was able to get out of this horrible mess intact. Um, any thoughts on the Sally thing? And then we'll talk about the the movie, and then we can... We can wrap it up. But yeah, what did you think of this time, Jump Patrick? Did you like this one a little bit better than the other one? Or, you know, I did. I, you know, I, um, I, I like the time jump epilogues. I like when any movie gives me, uh, you know, lines of like what happened to these characters. Like, I don't know. There's, there, there's something about that sort of, uh, uh, that kind of trope of, of storytelling that doesn't, doesn't bother me as much and, and kind of tickles me. And the fact that we actually get both of those in this like epilogue, we both get, Hey, we get to jump way forward and get a couple of, of beats with these characters. And the Hollywood Hollywood version of Barry ends up getting the you know the lines of where the characters are at. So I got I got I got to eat my have my cake and eat it too uh, here. And yeah, I thought it, I I thought this this jump worked for me, and I I I enjoyed getting to like ultimately for all the poor decisions that she she makes over the course of the series. She always struck me as like a fundamentally good person that who is making mistakes in the way that hers ended up being, you know, uh, uh, higher stakes because of, you know, the person she was involved with. Um, but that she always kind of struck me as fundamentally a person who did want to do good, even when they were making mistakes along the way, that the kind of change that Barry was just never going to be capable of. Um, although the scale of her, you know, uh, mistakes uh, is, is certainly pales in comparison to the, you know, the, the, the many uh, uh, deserts full of bodies that, that Barry has left in his wake. You know, this is a person that I, I wanted to see find some measure of satisfaction. Maybe, you know, you get, you get a little bit of, I don't know if it's disappointment, but like certainly she must have a kind of a wistful, uh, oh, how it could have been different. Like this is enough, but also you wonder what could have been. And that's sort of where I feel like we end with the character is that, you know, she probably still misses that life and, 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 you know, wants to imagine herself somewhere else. But sometimes part of getting older is recognizing, sure, but also this is enough and it's okay for that to make me happy. And I, I found a lot of, of joy and peace in her character getting to that moment. Cause she, you know, over the course of the show, she seemed very much, um, you know, the kind of character that, Okay, they're gonna, are they going to use this as like bait? Is she just a body count at the end to extract mm-hmm. something? Like it seemed like she's she's on the like everyone's on the table. Like they're certainly one of the great strengths of the show is like anybody could die at any moment. Hell, if they killed Barry at the beginning of the season, the show kept going. I'd be like, okay, sure, Barry, keep going, I guess. And like, yeah. I just would have bought it because it seems like the kind of show that is able to convey uh, the sense that any character could go at any moment and very quickly. And I'm glad the show didn't do that with her and that she gets to have some new life where she figures out some version of happiness. Um, however she arrives at it. I agree with you about the ending being a lovely sort of coda for the character. Um, I don't know. I feel like there's some Sally revisionism going on in your, in your statement there. <laughs> like I, I think for most of the runtime of the show, she has been quite self-absorbed mm-hmm. and f- extremely focused on her career. And has in many ways not been a nice person. Um, I think she's collided, her life collided with like somebody who really made her life very much sadder and worse than it would have been otherwise. Um, and, and therefore she didn't deserve to get punished for that part. 
But yeah, she she also wasn't a particularly nice person, in my opinion. Uh, and and in my opinion, this ending shows like, oh, um, she has like learned many less like hard won lessons from that, mm-hmm. and that that is a good place for the character to end up. So, um, so I don't necessarily agree. Like, I remember her being, you know, like there's very few <laughs> nice characters on the show. Like, there's I'm you're not, not you're not wrong. It is it yeah. is a cast of mostly bad people. You're, yeah, yeah. I mean, Bar- Barry is not nice. The- yeah, yeah. On this, on the scale of of badness and like what they deserve, I guess I just always kind of was like, well, <laughs> she's you, the least you can shitty be okay. person. <laughs> one of the least yeah. shitty persons of the show. Exactly. So then we get to sh- we we see this uh uh <laughs> this fake movie uh, that's the story, which is called The Mask Collector. Um, <laughs> just like amazing title for that movie. Uh, I would love to know what are the like ten, fifteen other titles that. Because it feels like the one of those things where you sit around one night, they must have a bunch of ones where you're just making up, like, what would Hollywood call this dramatic retelling of right. this story? Right. And The Mask Collector feels like the most cynical, mean, but absolutely true version of that. And I would just I would just mm-hmm. love to know which, which ones fell on the cutting room floor. Indeed, indeed. Uh, Jim Cummings, very talented actor. Yeah, uh, director. what a surprise. He, he plays him. Barry Berkman. Uh, you know, I think... Um, I honestly think the mask collector felt almost too good, like in terms of quality, like production value. It felt almost too good for the show, like because you you want it to be like, oh, this is like a cheaply or not cheaply made, but like um, this is m- much crappier than like mm-hmm. the quality of the series. But I feel like I don't know if Bill Hader made it or someone else directed the mask collector, but I feel like they couldn't help but be like, this is my time to like make a good thriller, you know and. Mm-hmm. And I think you know, okay. Let me let me let me walk that back. It, it actually was pretty good because because of its relatively high level of quality, it does allow you as the viewer to focus more on like what the movie's trying to say, as opposed to ha ha ha. These are people playing like dress up as these characters, and there are some of those moments too, you know. Um, but yeah, uh, it's it's a pretty funny funny movie that like ends with this gut punch. At the end of yeah. like Gene Cousineau is in jail for the rest of his life and Barry's honored. Like when he was like buried with full honors, I was like, oh my gosh, like that's really dark. Really well, dark that, for the like, show. Yeah. And, and the show like leaves you in this place with, um, you know, the, the, some version of that is, is what Sally has been telling her son, which is, you know, I'm a parent of two kids. I can imagine how complicated it would be. Like you're never telling your children, the full version of yourself. Um, uh, not in all of our lives were as complicated as, as, as Barry Berkman's, but um, you know, for that kid to like, that's how they're learning about their father, this version of their father. Maybe that's better. Well, than, well I think, you know. I think the kid knows that what they're seeing is on some level, not true, not right? true. Okay. Uh, is my sense, but like, Again, having read the Sarah Goldberg interviews, like she kind of put together like this idea of Barry is just not someone they talk about at home. Like, yeah, she she told her her kid like, "Hey, Barry killed a lot of people, and he's not a nice guy." But then right. probably after that, they never talked about it again. Let's you know, close or the book. They yeah. rarely talked about it. So he probably has some sense that like it's not quite right, but like it's not. It's obviously not clear. We don't know what she told him. We have no idea because of the time jump. Yeah, um, yeah. So, but. Yeah, seeing seeing the kids' reaction was interesting. Like, but yeah, the, 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 you know, this it's enigmatic. It's it's interesting. It's vague. You get to fill in your own story. That's both the strength and the weakness of this season because we jumped in time mm-hmm. forward like 
freaking 15, you know, 10 to 15 years throughout the course of the season. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, did you, so you like the mask collector, the name, I, I agree. The name is like, it's not what I would at all expect for the name, but it's also like, yes, that seems like very cynical Hollywood commentary. That's very, yeah. Apt. Trying to give this additional weight to it yes. that, you know, um, like it's a, a movie that drops, you know, for Oscar season, uh, sort of, sort of thing. And, uh, I, you know, I, I, I struggled in, in watching it. It felt like it went on entirely too long. Like it's really long. Like usually when you get something like this, it's a, like a scene, you know? So I was like, oh, this is going to be like a minute. And like, I'm like, yeah, we're still, you, we're still, you're going. seeing like highlights from the whole damn thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it makes me wonder how much they actually shot and then worked their way backwards in terms of, what what actually to show and, and what made sense and um I mean it's fine I, 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 it's it's interesting but it was it I was sort of surprised at like the length that they were showing all these these yeah. different different scenes it certainly went on much longer than yeah it's, it it certainly I, wasn't like necessary to like make the point I think but <laughs> uh, you, you know like uh, yeah I don't know I, maybe it was because it might have been weird Patrick if they just showed like two scenes from it. you know what I'm saying like. Yeah, like, I, think, they, I think on some level they need to show the whole thing so you get a sense of the tone of the piece, right? Right, right. and and they but get yeah, a chance yeah. to, to to even do things like the act, like and again, like I was speaking to the the show's depiction of violence and how it chooses to to display violence, and then they get a chance to show, well, this is how everyone else would have done it. You know what I mean? Like I know mm. it is like yeah, this yeah, yeah, yeah. where he's he's escaping, yeah. um, um, uh, but the way it's like shot behind like right. the shoulder over and, the like, shoulder, yeah. Got, yeah, and it's it's all the stereotypical BS that like you would you see in everything, even in good shows. Like that that's how this stuff is shot. And was it was it was lovely to see Barry so you know like you know implicitly that that's true based on how they are presenting the violence in the show. But then to have the the space and the opportunity to show you, well, this is how they this is how they they would have done it, or this is how it's yeah. often done, and have that in the same show with the same people was like that had me cackling. I was like, oh, you get to do the hallway like assault rifle shooting sequence right. that is in a billion things and to have it here when that's just all all you can't help but think is, well, how would they have shot that if they were actually shooting in Barry? And they they would do whatever is the opposite of that. <laughs> right, right. And then to so then to, to to do all that and then like end it in the way they they do it with Gene Cus- the the text of Gene Cousineau and, and Barry. It's like Yeah, nothing with him it, it's just it's just the line in the movie adaptation is mm, like well, chef's kiss. What what is great about it, in my opinion, is also like the show has spent a lot of this season being like Barry's a piece of shit. He's <laughs> he's self deceiving. If you like him, you are a bad person. <laughs> Basically, like that's what the sh- the season has been. People can't change, kind of. Although he kind of does towards the end of the uh, with with. Great difficulty. He's forced into kind of changing towards the end of the, sh- the show. Um, like, we get a sense that Barry might have turned himself in, right? Like, before he mm-hmm. got shot by Jin Kusuno. Um, and it's like, and it's like, yeah, and he's he's horrible and terrible, and like, we killed him, and that, that's the unceremonial death he deserved. But if you guys made a movie on him, you would have praised him. Like, not us, not us, but you would have. <laughs> You would have watched that. You would have rented that on iTunes and yeah. been happy about you it. You would have been. You would have. You know, eat your slop, piggies. Like you would <laughs> yeah, have. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, I mean, that's maybe one of the most cynical. Th- you know, yeah. It starts as a satire as Hollywood, and I think as the show goes on, is 
is is kind of like deeply cynical about the the, the audience that, yeah the audience that enjoys the type these types of work and is constantly kind of asking you why are you watching yes what, what are you doing here um and it's one of the reasons i think the show like is operating at a different level in a space because it's willing it's clear the creators are asking themselves questions and not just having those conversations in interviews, but like doing it in the, sh- in the work and like, and like working through that dialogue and that tension in, in the work. And uh, yeah, it's just a, it's just a delight. I've always, yeah, I, I, I love how dark it is. Like it's a great dark ending. I've always found the show to be like a little bit kind of like, how do I put this Patrick? Like, where it's kind of indicting me for enjoying the show, like in, in some way, like you know, we're like, but but like, oh, for, you're back again, another season of it. Yeah, you're here. Yeah, roll the tape. Go, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like, oh, really? We're doing this again? Okay, fine. Here you go. You Did know, you like watch last season. Like, do you want to keep doing this? Yeah, but All but right, it's like, it's episodes. like, guys. Yeah, that's right. It's like, but it's like. Guys, it's your show. Like you're the one who you're the one who made this character into kind of this like you're the one who put him into like a Hollywood satire. Like we mm-hmm. we the audience weren't demanding this assassin who brutally kills people be put into an improv class. Like that's not on us, to do, you know. And so it always felt like that like that there's almost this relationship of like oh we the creators made the show and like the audience loves us so much and we kind of hate that. And so we're going to like make you pay and, you know, or we're going to like, um, you know, be, be antagonistic. And, and, and that kind of irritates me. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to lie. Like it, it's, it's pretty, it's mildly irritating to me, uh, that that's the case. But as you've said, you know, there's a lot of, um, like, and, and again, compared to other shows where like, in many ways, what you see is like the wire. It's like the, the, the show has its own pleasures, and it's, it's not trying to make you feel bad for enjoying the show. You know, like, right. it's just like, hey, we're, this is a, 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 a really deep, nuanced takedown of how institutions are falling apart in America. But it's still going to be a fun show. Still going to be a great, well-made show. Barry has always felt like this is a show about, like, I mean, I think it's found what it wants to be about, which is, like, it's about how heroes are made in Hollywood and how the audience is complicit and how dare you for watching, <laughs> right? Like... That's kind of the feeling I get from this season. Mm-hmm. What do you What do you think, Patrick? What, take Take us home, Patrick, as we wrap up this this uh, podcast recap and this show. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I do think some of that is because so rarely do media ask the audience to ask those questions of themselves, like mm-hmm. through the media itself. That I think it is trying to fill a void in presenting itself that way. Where like if other work were doing this more often. Then like, but then again, maybe then this gets into the whole. It feels like it's scolding me a little bit. Like, well, if just all the all these other TV shows just had the balls to ask these questions. <laughs> Barry wouldn't have to come over here and yeah. do it. Like, and, um, and I and, and some of I wonder if it is like the creators themselves working through like, what are we making? Why are we making it? Right. Why do we right. want to make this? Like, what is. Like where yeah, are we maybe at? in the process they're like what they figured out what kind of show they want to make and that's understandable like if if that was really how it happened which probably was then I can forgive that a lot more than like we went into this wanting this to be an indictment on like how heroes <laughs> how hero, heroes are constructed heroes are constructed in popular culture you know whatever yeah but I don't anyway. I don't th- it feels like it arrived at it pretty organically and it was mm-hmm. more a question of if we just keep pushing the line a little bit further 
where do we end up? And like, where does it, and like the show feels like it, it like ended in a, in a pretty logical place. And I, I, you know, I, I really enjoyed the fact that, you know, you get the unresolved answer of, did he actually change? And on two, on like one level, he did. The public thinks he is a hero that was manipulated. And he is in reality, like a vile, despicable person that for all that they, they were manipulated, you know, violence is cyclical and generational and all those things are true. But Barry is his own actor, has agency, like made decisions to continue and indulge in being a terrible person. And so you know, how many times over the course of the show do we see Barry say something and then do something else? Like gesture in the direction of wanting to do the right thing, but then doing the thing that is most expedient and self-serving and then coming up with a rational, a, a rationalization for it. And what we get at the end is, is both, is we get a movie that for the public changes Barry. But as the audience, we were there when he died and he told us he wanted to change. But he never got to do it. He had to go to the, he had to take the actual act of like it, maybe in his heart of hearts, like if this character existed in the real world, would be able to say to themselves, yes, I really did want to go there. And what stopped me was, was a bullet to the head. Mm-hmm. But we as the audience don't know that. And it leaves in that little bit of wiggle room of, well, what would have happened if one of those, that, that second shot missed and he was yeah. able to stand up and react? Do we think that he would have hugged Gene and forgiven him and said, I need to go to the police, the shot, like, please stop shooting me? I don't know. And I love that the show gets to exist in that space where you can kind of wonder, but you also kind of don't care. It's like, well, Barry, you should have died anyway. And then do I feel bad about Gene? Like, yes, probably shouldn't be in double murder, like in jail for that. But (laughs) he's also despicable and a bad person and is responsible for a lot. So it's like the fact that all these characters end up in those positions and, and Sally uh, is kind of the uh, and, and, and crystal ball, right. Are they kind of the only ones who get away? One of them doesn't escape with their life, but like you have these two characters that are kind of the cleanest of the bunch as they, as they exit out. Um, and I just think they found really good places for everybody. Mm-hmm. Everyone gets like really fitting conclusions, even if they don't necessarily in the moment feel like, Oh, I wonder if, you know, we might get another scene with them. And then you look back on the way it concludes all those characters. And I think they're all, you know, the, ra- the, the Raven, right, is what Fuchs ends up at being called yeah. by, by yeah. the end. Like, the fact that the Raven just sulks back into the darkness is both fitting for yeah. that emotional moment with Barry and then also this new moniker that he has adopted is just sulking away into the dark. Um, by the way, we talked – I asked you this question. I don't know if you you fully answered the question in the spirit in which I asked it, which was mm, why, does Gene, why does Gene decide to kill Barry? And this is a very – my sense is just – he he felt like this was the only proper punishment for Barry. Like he didn't want Barry to get away with it, and even Barry going to jail would have been too good of a an outcome for yeah. Barry. Um, that was my I, conclusion as to why he did that. Um, but I agree. Yeah, yeah, and and, yeah. and Barry, you know, part of what's yeah, you know really appealing about Barry is a show. Why I see and, and like frankly, hope is someone that enjoys horror media is that, that, that Bill Hader goes into you know making a, a film uh, in in the genre uh, itself is that like Barry is almost a like a Jason Voorhees, like this unrelenting mm-hmm. figure, right? Like you look at Bill Hader, his physical presence, and there's nothing about him that strikes you as like, I mean, over the course of the show, they make him seem terrifying, but that's like not his def- your default interpretation of, of this character yeah. and their kind of physical stature. And um, he, he has this John Wick, Jason Voorhees energy to him where once he begins walking, 
like bad things are going to happen no matter what pace he moves. And in the same way that you don't know that the character, you know, the villain in the horror movie is dead till you cut off their head. I think that's how Gene viewed Barry. Mm, like, yeah. He went to jail. He got out. The yeah. only way this ends is with a bullet and he's, and it's over because yeah. even though, uh, you know, grave consequences are going to be put on, on Gene as a result of that decision, there's no other way out and there's no one else that can do it but me. And if I don't do it right here, then who else and when? And I, I think in that respect, however you feel about Kusuno as a, as a character, I think it's a very understandable position to take, given everything that we as the audience know of how things have happened and how really like Barry is this, this he has this thing about and like he has this way about him. Like he has this magnetic field that people fall under. And it's like, he's not under the spell right now. So before he opens his mouth and he falls under that spell again, you just got to cut the head off. Indeed. Beautifully said. Well, I think on that note, we can wrap up this conversation about Barry season four. Patrick Klepek, it's been an absolute pleasure to chat with you about it. I want to mention, of course, you can find more episodes of this podcast you're listening to at podcast.decodingtv.com. You can watch our live conversation at youtube.com slash decodingtv. Find us also on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter at decodingtv. Next week, we're going to be doing a postmortem of Succession Season 4. So look forward to that and let us know what you thought about Succession, Barry, at decodingtv at gmail.com. Until then, Patrick Klepek, where can people find more of your work on the internet? Uh, they can find me on the toxic hell site known as Twitter for as long as it's still standing uh, at twitter.com slash Patrick Klepek. You, uh, this Friday, I'm going to be uh, launching a, uh, a substack called Crossplay, which I'm describing as a newsletter about the intersection of video games and parenting. Uh, There'll be a lot of reporting and observations uh, about what it means to be a parent uh, from like, what is it like to play video games when you're a parent? How do you fit that into your schedule? What is it like? What kind of games do you play? What happens when Roblox comes into the home? Like, how do you deal with things like screen time? And so I'm trying to take my many decades of reporting about video games and my uh, six and a half years of amateur parenting and combining that into uh, a new venture that I'll be launching uh, this Friday. So if you're interested in that, you know, I welcome your interest and support. And then for at least uh, a couple of days more, I'll be podcasting and streaming uh, with uh, Waypoint, the the gaming website uh, over at Vice. Um, And then folks will, uh, if you're interested in seeing what, May or may not happen with that in the future. Uh, I guess I would just ask you to, to stay tuned and have a little patience, and hopefully I'll have uh, more to say soon. All right. Uh, well, Patrick, thank you so much for joining us here today on Decoding TV. We really appreciate it. Uh, and I am David Chen. He's Patrick Klepek. Uh, until next time, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Goodbye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.